Over the last seven years, I have tried every kind of marketing you can possibly imagine for my business. And I have determined over that time that direct mail has been by far the most profitable marketing channel I have ever tried. And I've spent over a million dollars just testing it out figuring out what works and figuring out what doesn't. And through that time, I've been able to generate over 100 deals per year in my business using direct mail. And now I've created a very small but very powerful mini course on how I utilize direct mail in my business. It explains everything I do from A to Z, and I've made this available to you absolutely free. That's right, no charge, no obligations, just go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail to find out how you can implement my system in your business and start generating more leads through direct mail. Go check it out. It's absolutely free. I can't wait for you to try it. I want you to think about an area that people like to vacation to, in that, that people like to take extended weekend vacations to in your market. That might be a market that's like an hour or two away. Mm-hmm. That's the market you should be in. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. Guys, I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you being here. I have such cool guests, fun guests. We had a great conversation, uh, really good stuff around short-term rentals. If that is the area that you're in or moving into, or you're interested about thinking about it, whatever, this is a really smart guy to listen to. He has a strategy that I truly do believe is uh, recession-proof. It's market-proof. It's very, very smart. And uh, he's not just kind of going for the like turn and burn buy a house in any old neighborhood and just like whip it, you know, together half halfway and and just sort of like throw it on Airbnb. He's creating experiences. He's creating unique uh, properties and and the look and feel. He calls them Instagrammable, right? Which means people want to take pictures and put it on their Instagram. They're excited about it. So he's just he's a smart guy, and uh, he has some big goals. Like I uh, I didn't say actually I was gonna say like I said his name is Alex. I didn't tell you that yet. His name's Alex Jarbo, and uh, he's a he's a short term rental guy. He was in the Marine Corps for four and a half years, stationed in Washington D.C. Uh, got into short term rentals. He has a goal of developing 650 cabins in the next three years. So he's all in and he's doing some big stuff. We talked about it on the show, raising a lot of money, uh, putting together some big deals. Uh, He has an MBA in real estate development and is currently finishing a doctorate in business and uh, leadership. So just a smart guy, knows what he's doing. He does his research and his plan uh, for how he's going to build all this out is uh, spectacular. It's just, it's really, really smart. And so I think if you're at all interested in short-term rentals or you have short-term rentals, you're thinking, whatever, this is an episode that you need to listen to. So uh, without any further delay, guys, I give you Alex Jarbo. All right, Alex, thanks for being on the show, man. I appreciate you being here and uh, being a guest on Just Start Real Estate. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on, man. 
Yeah, of course. Awesome, man. Well, listen, I had you on. You reached out to me. Uh, I get requests from time to time. I say no most of the time. You're a local guy to me, or you grew up local to me. You're in the Detroit area, Michigan area, Southeast Michigan. Uh, and your 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 thing is Airbnb, and I love the way you're doing it. And I just thought I got to have this guy on because I love what you're up to. And I have some specific questions. So selfishly, uh, I may not be able to get you on the phone privately if we didn't know each other, but I can get you on my show for a while and I could just cram all the questions that I need to get out of you. And uh, that's my little life hack for for talking to smart yeah, people. Man. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's. I, I just said you were from the Detroit area, but that's not enough. Just, just quickly, like elevator pitch. Wh- who are you? Where do you come from? And uh, why, why should people maybe pay attention? Yeah, man. Uh, so I, yeah, like you said, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, my parents moved um, about like 30 minutes north of that uh, when I, I think it was like 10 or 11. And then when I turned 18, graduated from high school, went immediately into the Marine Corps. And I served in the Marine Corps for four and a half years. And sort of my last year in the Marine Corps, I had decided I didn't want to re-enlist. I was stationed in DC and had a really good time in the Marine Corps. I wasn't leaving the Marine Corps because I hated it. I just, I felt like I wanted to do something more. Yeah. Um, so I just started last year in the Marine Corps, I just started reading a lot of different books on every topic you can think about in the business world, any asset class you can think about. And real estate had really caught my eye because um, over, I enjoyed the control that you had over it. So like forced appreciation, all that yeah. fun stuff. Um, so I originally joined a flipping mentorship at, while I was still in the Marine Corps. And the gentleman, I uh, was doing like a group coaching call and the gentleman who ran the group coaching call, I realized all of his long-term wealth was tied into short-term rentals. This mm. is back in 2015, 16. No kidding. Um, he was he was the owner of the program. So I, I got him on a one-on-one call and I just, he was very open with his numbers and he showed me his cash flows and it was ridiculous compared to like, say like a long-term rental or multifamily. Um, and so he helped me choose a market. He He taught me how to choose a market and how to identify a market. And we had landed on one of the markets we landed on was Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and so like literally the day I got out of the military, I moved straight here. I had like an apartment set up, but outside of that, I moved straight here, got my real estate license, and I just started looking for a short-term rental. And what I realized really quickly was everything was either way out of my price range for that time, or it was in my price range, but it just wouldn't have done well as a short-term rental. There was nothing unique about it. Yep. So that was like six, eight months of just looking. And after like eight months, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to build my first property. So my first real estate investment was a ground up development. It's an 800 square foot A-frame that we own to this day. And it cash flows like crazy. And then one turned into two really quickly, two turned into four. And today we're developing, uh, I brought on some investor capital. And right now we're developing $10 million worth of properties. And I'm hoping to triple that next year. Okay. So where does a guy, I'm just going to pick on Michigan, but where does a guy from Michigan who jumps into the Asheville market because he determined it was good for short-term rentals, where do you get the nerve to do ground-up development right off the bat? How did you even know the first thing to do? Yeah. Um, so it, was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't knowing the first thing to do because it, it was more like putting redundancies in place. Um, to, to make sure that, okay, if this doesn't rent out as a short-term rental mm. or it doesn't do well as a short-term rental, I can l- rent it out as a long-term rental. At the time before COVID, I could underwrite these properties as long-term rentals and they would still cash flow. Okay. Or I could rent them out as a midterm rental. I could even sell them because the the price or the yeah, the price range and also the square footage range 
I like to say that it falls in sort of that affordable housing area. Okay. So like no matter what's happening in the markets, I feel like these properties will always sell. But yeah, it was it was more like I'm gonna do this. I I had a GC lined up and I had the right team lined up, but it was like if everything goes wrong, this is what I'm going to do. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. So you hired did I assume you hired a GC who had experience with ground up development because you you did not at that time. I'm just the developer myself. Yeah, I don't I don't do it myself. Yeah, that would be insane if I was like, I'm just gonna get my GC license and get straight into it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess what I'm saying though, is you didn't you have never done a short at that point, you'd never done a ground up development. You didn't know how like you didn't know the steps and the process. You just hired someone Mm -hmm. who had that experience and that knowledge to do. Yeah, absolutely. I just leveraged their experience. Experience. Cool. And to them, like a new construction, there's no difference between single family and short term rental. It was just sure. Yeah, the yeah, design yeah. of the property was a little different. How'd you find you that know? guy or girl, whoever it was? How did you find him? Yeah, so he was a he was a friend um, that I had met here. Um, but what I recommend to people who are looking because if you just go out and try to just find a local GC and googling it, mostly those people that are coming up, those are going to be the like the high-end custom people in your market. What I recommend doing to people who are just starting out, who want to do these like unique, I like to say Instagrammable properties, properties that do well on social media, um, is you want to go to your, you can look up any permit in your off in in your county. So you can go and look up all the building permits that have been pulled pulled in your county and try to identify like the, the the name that keeps popping up or maybe popping up a couple times that might not necessarily have a website you go online and you can't find their website um that that's a really uh, i forgot where i got that from but someone had taught me that and that's a really effective way to find a good gc that okay. might not be charging you like 600 a square foot or anything crazy gotcha cool so just yeah. out of curiosity what do you pay a square foot for your ground up stuff yeah i mean prior to covid man it was like 180 200 now it's probably closer to like 250 300 depending if we're including site prep or not okay because gotcha. site prep is going to be di- site prep is going to be different on any single every single parcel got it is is yeah. uh ground up development your your like d- your uh way to do it is that like your preferred method to to build these short yeah, yeah. Okay. so yeah so during covid obviously we slowed down because we had some budgets that were tied up like between covid and before covid um, so I purchased a lot during uh, COVID. And what I did was I purchased properties, again, that had to be unique, that people would be proud to put on their social media. And I would only purchase a property that had some sort of acreage attached to it. So it's like anywhere between two to 10 acres attached to it. And now we're finally starting to develop on that acreage. Oh, okay. So you get yeah, yeah. a second I just, property. I didn't stop. Okay. Yeah. 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 I see. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cause like, I mean, de- de- dealing with supply chain issues that first year and a half was absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Um, so like just trying to deal with that, I, it, it made more sense to purchase for like a year and a half. But my, my mindset was also always, I'm going to develop. We were still developing during that time, but I didn't take on any new development. We purchased some really good parcels that we didn't develop on until right now. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about market selection a little bit. Um, yeah. How? Wh- what do you tell people when they ask you? Okay. Okay. Let me do, let me let me backtrack for a minute. I'm going to yeah. ask a selfish question here. So everyone who doesn't care about Michigan, just coast for a minute here. I'm in Michigan. Yeah. It, you're from Michigan. You know the market. Yeah. Yes. Um, I assume you have family here, maybe who could potentially help you out. Hundreds. Are yeah. <laughs> you or are you not doing this in Michigan? Would you not suggest doing it in Michigan? What's the what's the sitch with Michigan? Is it is it like the great untapped market that no one cares about, or is it literally because no one cares because no one should care when it comes to short term? 
Yeah, no. So I'm I'm all in on Western North Carolina right now, but we Got I do it. have plans on getting into uh, Northern Michigan next year. No, man. Uh, so what I tell what I tell people, and I'm going to answer both of those questions essentially at the same time is you when I when I when people ask me that question, where should I be investing at? I don't recommend investing in metro markets. What co- our strategy prior to COVID was investing in more rural areas. But the reason that was, was because I just couldn't afford anything in the city. Yeah. And what COVID <laughs> did was it pushed everyone out of the metro markets and made them more comfortable sort of traveling off the beaten path a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe 15 to 25 minutes away from downtown. What I recommend to people, I don't recommend doing what I did, like just picking up and leaving and just moving to a brand new city that you don't know anyone. <laughs> I was just, yeah. I was flexible at that time in my life to do that. Um, but any real estate book you read, they're like, start in your backyard. And that's sort of true for the strategy as well. But what I like to say is I want you to think about if you're like in a busy area, I want you to think about an area that people like to vacation to in that, that people like to take extended weekend vacations to in your market. That might be a market that's like an hour or two away. Mm-hmm. That's the market you should be in because uh, throughout the whole country, there are hundreds of these pocket markets that nobody really knows outside of the people that live an hour or two away. Yeah. Um, the, the real estate's going to be cheaper, but there's going to be a built in lead flow is the wrong word. Guest flow, I guess. Sure. Like yeah, th- through those markets. So that's what I'd recommend doing. So like, I mean, I've had my eyes a long time on Torch Lake and then um, some, some other like beach properties in that area as well. Yeah. Well, like, uh, what about like Traverse City? Like, that's a that's a met that's kind of a bigger area, but like something outside of Traverse City that's drivable. Yeah. I mean, inside Traverse City, I feel like would do well as well. It's just like um, right now, what I'm focused on, the best use of my time is doing these like six to 12 cabin cluster developments that are like themed. So we're building a frames, log cabins. We're playing around with tree houses, cottages, but something that would fit in the Traverse City market and building like six to 12 of those. And That'll probably lead me into the next question that you're going to ask me, but I'll just touch on it is how do you choose like what the property looks like? Mm-hmm. And what I do is the uh, various, I mean, I use Instagram, Pinterest and whatever comes up and I just research it. But a really effective way to do it, honestly, is just to hop on Airbnb's homepage, mm-hmm. put in your, put in the city that you're considering and just see what pops up on the homepage. Cause what pops up on the home homepage is going to be the top properties in that market. And then just model those properties. Cause there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with modeling properties. Like yeah. when I first started in this market, there was maybe one other A-frame on the short-term rental market. And now there's like 12, but my occupancy has not been affected in any way because of those 10 extra ones. Yeah. That makes total yeah. sense. Um, do you find that, so do you ever buy houses? I, I know you said you just, you did during COVID, but like, okay, put it this way. If you were going to start over, would you do again, ground up and do unique mm. A-frames and cabins? Or would you suggest yeah, if, people if, buy? If I was in that financial situation, and I didn't know what I do know now about capital raising. Um, I probably would have purchased one cabin first, just so you had some cash flow coming in to cover the holding costs. And then I would have, um, I would have developed on that almost immediately though. So okay. it's like I still would have gone into development. I just would have added that extra step of having the cash flow from the first cabin. I got you. Um, yeah. Or I mean, I, I don't know because like if if the right piece of land popped up, I mean, I, I would have done that. Like we 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 got a really good deal on that first parcel and our our second parcel as well. That I mean, we were we had built in equity just from the land alone. Gotcha. So when yeah. it comes to like you said, you don't really care for buying in in like a metro major metro area, but a an area that keeps coming back to my head, and I'm sure I, this isn't like brilliant, right? I'm sure a lot of people think about this. 
but Orlando. Like Disney is is this yeah. is this magnet that attracts millions yeah. of people all year long without it stop. Will, it will always. And yeah. it will always. Like why isn't every I mean probably a lot of people do, but what short term, for short term rental it seems like a no-brainer can't miss slam dunk pretty much. Yeah, no, people people are definitely that's a really that's a really good point. Um and I have a story about Orlando. So my my one of my cousins had actually come up to me and is like, "Hey, I just purchased this new development. They're they're developing it right now in Orlando." And I was like, "Who's the developer?" And I was like, "Is it like small big?" And he's like, "No, it's Pulte. Pulte is like the biggest builder in this country." Yeah. Um, but yeah, Pulte has like this like themed Orlando community that's just short term rentals that they're developing right now. So no, I, I wouldn't be against it. Um, with the Metro markets, what I have planned on doing is like doing like themed boutique hotels. Um, I mean, if you look at Detroit, I mean, that that's popping up almost everywhere with like these like con- these um, warehouse condo conversions. Yeah. So instead of yep. doing a warehouse condo conversion, you can just do a warehouse boutique hotel conversion yeah. and just theme it on the inside. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. You, and you, that's that's bigger stuff. We're looking 10, 20 million dollar development stuff. Yeah. But that, that's my next step. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you talked about raising money. If you knew how to raise money back, you know, back then or whatever. How? How? I know there's a lot of ways to finance. First of all, let's talk about how a, a regular person just getting in how they can finance a short term rental. But then I want to talk about raising money and how you look at yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on the when I first started, there was almost no short term rental financing out there. Now, now you you can just Google it and look it up. But I can recommend the three ones that I've used. Um, but yeah, when I first started, I used a second home loan and some people can still do that, like a second home development loan. Okay. Um, and the, the, the down payment requirements are very low. At that time, there were 10%. If I had to guess now, I haven't checked in a while, but they were like, they're probably 15% now. Okay. Um, second step would just be using your low. I mean, you hear that in every credit, in every real estate book, but literally walk into your local credit union. Yeah. Don't do it online. Don't, don't, don't like this is backwards. Don't call them and don't email them. Just walk in there. The bank that we just got a million dollar loan on for uh, two cabins, um, we didn't. I, nowhere on the the credit union's website that it's it said that they did short term rentals. They just said they did commercial loans. Gotcha. So that'd be a, that'd be a number two is just walking into a local credit union and ask to talk to someone about a commercial loan or a short term rental loan. And then number three is there's uh, three companies that I've used. So I mean I'm I'm sure I'm going to repeat these, but Vizio Lending. Center Street Lending, and then Host Financial. Host Financial is literally just for short-term rentals. And I believe two, I think Host Financial for sure does new construction. And I forgot either, I think Vizio Lending or Center Street, one of those does new construction as well. Okay. But though, um, you, you have to like look at their website, but some of them will only lend if it had a, if it has a history. Obviously with construction, it won't. Um, but so, uh, two out of those three lenders for sure will literally lend on a property that has no short-term rental history. They'll just look at proje- projections. Okay. Um, COVID, COVID put, uh, COVID put short-term rentals in the spotlight. Like, totally. It, so it's like people are more comfortable lending on this stuff now. It's yeah. like where flick fix. It's like where fix and flip was like 10 years ago is, is what I would say. Totally. And I, I heard you yeah, say yeah. on another show, um, and I, I don't want to, I'm not going to butcher this cause I don't remember the exact context, but something about some lenders lend on the long-term income projections and not the short term is that like regular like second house loans or whatever or is that these Vizio and center street and host financial no those are those are the those are the debt service coverage ratio loans the the, the Vizio and the center street the second home loans they're they're looking at dti's they're just looking at it as if you were purchasing yeah. a residential house yeah gotcha gotcha they're okay. they're looking at no income they're looking at it as 
because what what happened with second home loans in the last like seven or eight years is lenders were didn't want you renting out your second home back yeah. back seven eight years ago but now they understand that everyone's doing it but they won't look at projections on those right. on those type of loans right right okay yeah. that that's cool now let's talk about raising money right let's just say i have a, a half a dozen or a dozen short-term rentals and i want to like step it up and start building cabins by the way a, a good friend of mine one of my best friends just stumbled on to uh, stumbled on like he was trying he was looking but he wasn't necessarily looking for cabins but he bought this like a cluster of cabins uh in north yeah. georgia and yeah, he yeah. did some projections and he, he didn't have to do much to it they were pretty much plug and play ready to go and uh he's just gonna kill it like he's gonna just destroy like it's so much better yeah, yeah. than he even thought it was and it was super rural it's like two miles on a mountain you have to go on this you know windy road that's super dangerous it's like how do you so i want to talk about financing but i'm just going to give you a heads up so your head's in this direction i'm going to talk to you about how to project revenue especially when it's a unique in the rural area like not a lot of comps like how do you do it but let's talk about raising Mm -hmm. money first how did you start that how do you go about it how do you recommend people go about it if they want to start raising money for their deals yeah, so so there there is a difference between raising capital with absolutely no experience, like in terms of like yeah, like I had I had my first like three or four before people were coming to me. Like mm-hmm. I had friends and family coming to me. Like here's a hundred grand, here's two hundred grand. Yeah. So um, I mean, I would recommend I'd recommend starting with friends over family, to be completely honest. Um, but that's just been my experience. Yeah. Um, so starting with people that are just in your circle is the biggest thing, but that you're, you're going to hear that in every real estate, every capital raising sure. book you read. Yep. The strategy I want to talk about is how I raised like 5 million earlier this year in like, in like 90 days. Um, and it's, it was literally done just through podcasts like this. It, it wasn't as po- it, the podcast that I was hopping on though, weren't as popular as yours though. They were like they, they were like podcasts that had like anywhere between five or twenty reviews or something mm. something small where like they were just up and coming and you can look that up on Apple Podcasts sure. or whatever. But yep. I was hopping on sort of smaller, not well known multifamily podcasts, and it was the easiest transition to take a multifamily investor. And it, I wasn't insulting the host by doing it either because the hosts were even asking me about it after the podcast would end. Okay, like. So it's like, I would literally talk about my deals and I can talk about our uh, the numbers on our very first deal because I would use that as an example. Um, but I would literally just, hey, like he, here are the numbers on our first couple cabins. And then I would be talking to multifamily investors that are just getting crushed right now or get the work getting crushed at that time. And it, it was like, here's, here's my website, Sargon Investments. And then if the invest now button is right up there, if you guys want to do that, self-accredit yourself, you can put all your documentation in there. And it was like, it was almost like clockwork, man. Really? And then, uh, See, yeah, I, I man, would it, have thought in, intuitively, right, being a, a host of a podcast and having been on probably a hundred other podcasts over the last decade, yeah. the short, the smaller podcasts that I've been on just haven't converted very, like, there's just not a lot of listeners, right? So I, I would have yeah. thought, but you you went on there uh, multifamily, um, yeah, and you were talking there were about a short-term couple rentals. big ones that I did hop on as well, though okay. that did take me on. Like Whitney Suhel's podcast took mm-hmm. me on, yep. and I was really fortunate for them to take me on because it was a, it's a, that's a bigger sure. multifamily podcast. Yeah, um, I probably got like fifteen investors just on that one. People are people are used to the, um, or people are um, really 
they, they want to talk about short-term rentals now. Short-term rentals, like we said, got yeah. put into the spotlight. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's a more popular time. It's the new kid on the block. Gotcha. When it comes to these bigger investments. So do, when deals. you were on these, this is like totally tangent. Everyone, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're fine, man. I mean, but, we're still talking about like raising capital. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, for sure. But when you went on these multifamily podcasts, you were there to talk about short-term rentals and they knew that, right? Like they were, yes. they were cool oh, absolutely. That. And then you just sort of yeah, said, yeah. okay, you can invest with me. Got it. Totally got it. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, well, I wasn't just hopping on the podcast and just dropping it last <laughs> second without them knowing, just ruin exactly. the episode. No, no, no. Yeah, like, no, I'm, yeah. I got tons of apartments. I'll talk about that. And you're going to talk about short-term yeah, rentals, yeah. like hijack them. <laughs> anyway, um, short-term rentals. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so let's talk about, this is, this is a big, I'll be honest, this is one of the things that's tripping me up a little bit, is when I'm evaluating a property... Get it, it when you evaluate a single family property f- to flip, for example. Yeah, getting comps is a is is a pretty straightforward science. I mean, there's a little bit of art to it, but it's pretty scientific, right? Pretty straightforward. Yeah. I find it um, not confusing, but I, I don't feel great about my analysis of what it will bring me per night and the occupancy rate. It feels mm. like you can go to three or four different sources, and they all like sort of disagree and like. How do you how do you push through that noise? Not yeah. just I mean, rural seems like it would be another level of like difficulty for that. But even in some place that has more short term rentals, like what is your go to like high level eighty twenty strategy when you're trying to sort through what the opportunities are? Yeah, and you you had said it earlier about the the unique properties are going to be way harder to evaluate. So that that comes with that. There's yeah. no way to get around that. It's just there's other there's strategies to to figure out what the number needs to be to a certain point. Yep. Um, you're you're not going to be a hundred percent. I mean, the number one thing is just to be incredibly conservative, right? Like you said, like your buddy was probably really conservative on his numbers, and then they're doing way better than they thought. Yep. So I like to have prior to COVID, it was a 35% break-even occupancy, like a or a break-even, yeah, break-even occupancy after wow. debt service and everything. 35. Okay. Now it's closer to like 42, 45%. I would say I haven't gone over 42% yet. Wow. Um, and then I underwrite at a 65% occupancy. All of my properties right now, and the, the we're in high season right now, even but before high season, all of my properties lived at like 90 percent plus occupancy and, if and I let got me ask over you that, this let me ask you this yeah, the, yeah. the properties that you i assume you you tried to use properties near it as sort of something i mean you need to use something right were the were, were the other properties that you looked at in the area what was their occupancy are you way outperforming them or yeah we yeah we are yeah okay. yeah for okay. sure okay. i mean i if i had to the properties that we looked at, i'm not gonna say guess because i looked at it sure um yeah, there were probably at like the 75 to 80% occupancy mark, but there are other things to do to to increase that occupancy and we I know we're sort of going over a little bit, but we can talk about that as well about like like with these unique properties, you can use things like people don't think about this like influencer marketing. We pay for influencers to come into our properties. Yeah. And when I say pay, I mean pay for like a flight. Dude, that's and then, so smart. I heard you talk yeah, about yeah. that and I actually wrote it down and I tried to look it up before this before we talked. I wrote down stay MO, but I couldn't find anything. Stay, yeah, MO. Yeah, A, like stay A mo.com. I can send it. I can, we can put it in the show notes after okay, this. I'll put but, it in the show notes if um, you don't mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Because so, I the, put the, SDAY the MO. I, I, that can't be right. Oh, A, um, so you put an A in that middle, in the middle. Oh, stay A-M-O. A-M-O. Yeah. 
A-M-O. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, um, but yeah, man. I mean, the owner the owner of that company is actually coming through one of our bigger cabins. that We, we have a beautiful log cabin, 3,200 square foot on a horse pasture with two horses, Mountain View hot tub. I saw tub. that one, dude. I, I stopped the heck tub. out of you before yeah, we yeah, talked, man. man. I didn't want to he's coming. To. He's coming through there. He has like 200,000 subscribers on or 200,000 followers on his Instagram. And then he's bringing other people with him that has YouTube channels and stuff. They'll be doing a video shoot. And nice. th- that is my favorite strategy. And I, we're, we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, no, but I that's my it. favorite strategy to increase occupancy. And it, you can only do it with these unique properties because that's what brings people to yeah. these properties, these influencers. So, yep. I mean, I just paid for a $500 plane ticket for him yeah. and I was completely fine with doing that. That's like one night booking. Yeah. Um, and But a lot of times these influencers will come for free. Like they'll pay for their own travel. You're trading your unoccupied days. Yeah. It's usually like a Wednesday or a Thursday for free content. Like I'm going to pay a photographer five, five to $700 to shoot drone photography and they have no social following. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, and they're, they're literally just putting it on their social media after that. And it's like, we're just, we just started playing around with that, but the results have been absolutely ridiculous. And you will, you will, without even looking for people prior to Stamo. I, I had influencers coming to me, I, like literally direct messaging me through Airbnb and asking me, can like, this is, here's our social media. Here's our engagement rates. Like, can we stay at your property? And it's always been a yes. Dude, that's so awesome. So awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm getting excited. I, okay. Let me, let me circle back. I want to, I want to kind of like yeah. circle back for a second. Where you are, the Asheville, yeah. what are you, yeah. what's the, what's the high level stuff you're near in your market? That is like the draw. Why are people coming there? First of all. And, and then the reason I'm asking is, for example, Northern Michigan, right? Um, Traverse city, whatever. Like is it, do you, do you look for a certain level of, uh, um, people coming into the area? Is there a threshold, you know, numbers yeah. wise that makes sense? So it's not a numbers wise, but I wrote a bigger pockets article on this exact topic. Okay. Um, so Asheville, I like to invest in mountain markets or some sort of outdoor market because it's a little bit less seasonal. Northern Michigan's a really good example. You'll have you'll be on the water, mm-hmm. but then there's a lot of there's a lot of winter activities that happen in those markets as well. Yeah. Like Cadillac, Michigan. There's a, like literally a lot of yep. uh yep. so I like to do mountain markets because they tend to be a little bit less seasonal. Like our high season is definitely summer and our high season is fall because the leaves change and stuff. And um, there's a lot of outdoor stuff, a lot of hiking trails. We're in the Blue Ridge Mountains. There's a lot of mountain views. We also have like 100 breweries within 20 miles of each other. It's like Mm. the brewery capital of the East Coast here. Um, So that's what draws people here is hiking, outdoor activities, uh, any outdoor activity you can think about, mountain biking, hiking, blah, 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 beautiful mountain views. So that's what draws people here. And what I like to say during the slow season Nothing get uh, during the slow season. If you've developed a unique property, when I say unique property in this market, it's probably going to be a frames, tree houses, log cabins are, are unique to mountains. Is what I, that's sort of like the bottom level, but that's still unique. When you think of winter, you think of a log cabin, a hot tub, a mountain view in the mountains. That yep. that's the picturesque thing, right? Yep. So what I like to say is during the slow season, these unique properties they become the attraction to the guest. And during the high season, the market becomes the attraction. The property stole the attraction, but the market becomes more of the attraction during the high season. Gotcha. Um, so that's that's what I like to I like to find. And what I wrote the Bigger Pockets article about was investing in property, uh, investing in markets that are close to national forests or national parks, because mm-hmm. that already has a built-in flow. The reason why 
the Smoky Mountains have gotten so much press on the short-term rental side. When I was at the Bigger Pockets conference, everyone was talking about short-term rentals. Uh, this was last year. I didn't go this year, but I'm sure it was even more this year. And um, Smoky Mountains kept getting brought up because literally there are like 16, 16 million people a year go to the Smoky Mountains. And I think that last time I looked at it, it was like 12.9 million overnight stays in the Smoky Mountains wow. a year. Wow, that's you put crazy. you put any type of sort of unique property in that market, it's going to do well. So investing in national parks, national forests, close to like 15 to 45 minutes away. And then I like to invest in mountain markets. So that'd be my answer on, I guess, just investing in stuff like that. So yeah. it doesn't have to be close to a national park, national forest, just some sort of outdoor activities to sort of lessen the seasonality piece of it. Got you. I like what I just took away. One of the things was in the high in the high market or high times, whatever you call it, it's it's what you're around. What's around you sort of draws people in. But when it's yeah. when the season turns, it's sort of the house itself is the attraction. So do you yeah. put hot people tubs just want to get away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you put hot tubs and things in your in your uh, in your Mo- Airbnb? Most of them. My first couple ones, I haven't just because it's like what like I, I want a nicer hot tub, so it's like seven eight grand to put yeah. that in with insulation and everything. Gotcha. Um, the commercial loans that we're getting right now, and um, for people who are wanting to do this at scale, because I'm sure there's some listeners that are pretty sure. high level. Yep. Um, you can get SBA seven A loans on these new development projects, which is what we're doing right now. Um, and you can tie in furnishings and hot tubs into the budgets, which is phenomenal where you're just paying a down payment on the, on the overall budget compared to having to go out of pocket 200 grand. If you're building six, eight cabins or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Okay. We're almost out of time, but real quick, I just, what's your, uh, what's your, um, you know, your quick, your quick analysis. We we're going into recession, right? So interest rates are going up, uh, property values are sort of dropping or, or kind of cooling off, right? What is your? I assume it's good because you're not you're not giving me the impression that you're getting ready to back out of short term rentals. Obviously, it's good, but what is your general thought on what will be this? What will be the challenges we'll face in the next twenty four months? For, for example, yeah, I mean the biggest challenge is honestly mentality, and I wrote another blog post on this literally recently. It got published about just because interest rates are approaching on the commercial side seven eight percent, right? Don't let that scare you. Still underwrite a deal. Prices are dropping. That's a good thing as an investor. Yep. We just we just got a beautiful pro- seven cabins under contract for a little over two million, and that property was originally listed for I think like two point six, two point seven. Like we got a if that was prior to if that was in the middle of COVID, we would have gone into a crazy bidding war. So um, what I say to that is don't do not discount real estate investing while we're going through this stay the hell away from social media and stuff like the recent interest rate hike people told me about it i didn't even find out about it my lender told me about it it's like there's so much there's so much negative news out there right now that people are just terrified they're just stuck it's almost like 2000 i was too young for 2008 and 9 but i've I've read enough books on it um but yeah it's like do not discount real estate investing with what we're going through right now um because still underwrite a deal if someone brings you a deal if you find a deal Put that crazy interest rate in there and see if it still cash flows. And if it does, still go through with it. It's just a numbers game at that yeah. point. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I love that. I, I'm I'm a big fan of that of that mentality. Like 
the economy, interest rates, the market, all that. Like if you're and, an investor, be an investor and just just modify and, and understand that it all and, gets done. And in imagine all the and imagine how good of a position you're gonna be in if you can make that property cash flow right now. Yeah. When the interest rates do drop and you can refinance out of that loan, you're gonna be even in a way better position while the market is high where people are fighting over properties again. Totally. I love it, man. Yeah. Alex, this has been a ton of fun, man. How can people reach out to you? If What, if anything, should they know about you? And uh, what are you excited about right now? Yeah, man. Uh, if you guys want to, if you guys want to reach out to me, I'm pretty active in the Bigger Pockets community with the blog and the comment section. Uh, you guys can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. That's usually where most of my social media is at. And then um, I have a free YouTube channel that you guys can check out. Um, it's called Alex Build. It's a logo of a blue treehouse. If you guys are having trouble. And then the last thing is we just, uh, I recently put together a short-term rental development course coaching program, spent like six months putting it together, sat down and I was like, okay, what is the course that I, what is the course of the coaching program I wish I had when I first started Yeah, six years ago, seven years ago. And that's the, that's the course I put together. And that's going to be on my personal website, which is alexstrabo.com. Um, there's templates, there's workbooks, there's group coaching in there, and there's over a hundred videos on what I do nice. on a day-to-day basis. I love it. We'll link to all that in the show notes, guys. So if you're not able to write that down, don't worry about it. I got you. Just go to the show notes. Uh, Alex, like I said, this has been a blast, man. Your wealth of knowledge. Uh, I love it. I love what you're up to. And I love the, uh, you know, I, lo- I know a lot of people doing short-term rentals and they're like, we just buy houses and subdivisions and we kind of turn and burn, get them some, you know, uh, Amazon furniture. And we just try to break, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. That's like, that doesn't sound exciting to me. And it sounds like when the market turns, when things turn, when people change their, their opinions, it's going to struggle. But we're like you said, yours are like Instagrammable, yeah. right? And they're like, if you, if you, yeah, if you wouldn't mind real quick, me putting sure. a number to that first property, because I love doing that for the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the for people sure. listening. Um, we, we developed that ver- very first cabin prior to COVID, but it was 250 grand with the land turnkey furnished. It was probably going to be closer to 300 grand in today's market. Mm-hmm. Um, but that property last year grossed 82,000 and then it netted after debt service 46,000. Wow. So the, the, there are your numbers there. And that's yeah. an 800 square foot A-frame that can sleep six people. It's not anything crazy. That one outperformed some of the properties I've purchased that I didn't build that like were cost like triple the amount. Uh, where, By the way, how much land is that on? Because I saw the pictures of it. It's beautiful. It's, it's on... St- it, it, it was, it's on two acres, but it, the whole deal came with a four acre plot that was, it was two, two acre parcels. Oh, okay. We actually got the other two. Uh, this is a, this is a deal analysis that I can do an entire hour video on. Um, but the, we got the two other acres for a dollar at closing because the other side appraised for so high. We then turned around. So we essentially made 50 grand at closing without even doing anything. We then turned around once that first one was built. And then we use that land as collateral to build two more A-frames next to it that are in development right now. Oh, that's awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. Just, I, I don't think I asked you this, and it's probably terrible. I should have asked you right in the beginning. When did you start? Like, what was your, when was your first uh, yeah. one that you built? The 2016. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I got the sense it was like 18, 19, but it was 2016. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. <laughs> I, well, seriously, I could talk to you for another hour and break all these down. Maybe I'll have you back on and uh, we can, sure, we can hit some other stuff that I had some questions I didn't even get to because I was just super interested in what you were saying at the time. So uh, again, man, thanks to your time. I appreciate you. Uh, guys, go check them out. We're going to have everything in the show notes, uh, but go check them out because I think the short-term rental thing and especially the way you do it, and that's what was, and that's what was so intriguing. You do it in a way that I think kind of is recession proof. And I think it is, um, it's irrespective of the market and all that. Like you build cool, pl- I mean, just to make it overly simple, 
you build cool places that people yeah. are happy to go to and they want to tell their friends. Like that's that's so, like the formula, right? I mean, it's so awesome. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for your time, man. Uh, we'll put everything in the show notes. Thanks for thanks for being here, and we'll we'll talk to you next time. I appreciate you, brother. All right, man. Thanks. All right. That was awesome. Alex is a wealth of knowledge. That guy is so smart. And uh, I love the way that he's handling the short-term rental uh, business that he's running, the empire that he's building. These, these unique uh, short-term rentals, I think, are absolutely the way to go. Uh, he didn't mention it on the show, but I've heard him say it before. If you go to like Airbnb, for example, they've redesigned their entire website and they've based it around like unique properties, unique stays, unique experiences. So Airbnb is going all in on that. And if you use that platform at all, and I think most people who are in the short-term rental game do, if Airbnb is prioritizing that and redesigning their entire company based off of you know unique experiences, unique properties, then you might want to pay attention to that. And uh, Alex is, is all in on that. And I had a, just a blast talking to him. And I definitely will have him back on because I had a list of questions that I want to ask him that I didn't get a chance to. So we'll get him back on and do some follow-ups. If you guys have questions you have for him, like if you want me to ask him certain things next time he's on, shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com and I'll get those questions in there too. But I uh, hope you guys enjoy that. It was a ton of fun for me and I learned a lot that I'm going to actually apply. I'm going to use it, right? I'm getting into the short-term rental world and uh, I think he's a guy that I'm going to tap into for more info. So I think you should too. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.